This is a shock podcast. Shock. The C word with Callista. It's November and that means there's only one thing on everyone's mind and one face that you'll be seeing all the time. The Qatar World Cup kicks off on the 20th of November and Adam C from Astro Supersport will be on your TV screens 24-7. But no one's complaining though, I promise. Wow. I thought you were going to talk about Taylor Swift. <laughs> With you, the amount that Adam C knows about Taylor Swift is probably still more than the amount that I know about football. But yeah, I mean, the World Cup is happening and uh, I will have no choice but to talk about football at that time, which okay. always happens. How so, serious do you want me to be? Not very. Okay. I can make it lame in terms for people like me who All have right. no idea what's going I will, on. I will try my best to explain. The only thing I know about the World Cup is I'm supporting uh, England because obviously, for obvious reasons. But other than that, no idea. Your mum's from Birmingham. Yeah. Birmingham. Okay, straight off. How do you think they're going to do this year? Because you also root for England, obviously. Uh, technically, more Scotland, but Scotland not in the World Cup. So I probably mm-hmm. will go for England. But how well are they going to do? That's a very subjective question. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the fact that they reached the semi-final for the first time in almost 30 years in 2018 in Russia, that was massive. And then in the Euro final, they got there. They got to the actual final itself, which is an improvement on being in the semi-finals. So logically, mm. the definition of success would be to win a tournament, which England haven't done since 1966 when they hosted it. Then... That would be the gauge of success, but I'm not sure they can win it. They're not going into this in good form. Let's put it that way. But hey, you know what? Pre-tournament form, whatever. When it comes to the actual tournament, that's what matters. Okay. Well, I guess we can hope that they'll win it. I think it'll be like something that shocks the world if they do win. Um, yeah, I think that they shot the world by reaching the semi-finals. Mm-hmm. You could argue they had a very comfortable route to the semi-final. Mm-hmm. You could argue they had a quite a comfortable route to get to the final of the Euros as well. But it is, you can only beat whoever's in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's it. Hey, good luck, England. I mean, at the end of the day, luck always comes into everything, yes. right? So. There was one guy I said, oh, you need a bit of luck to, to win a, the Premier League, which is a better gauge of how good a team is because you play every single team in the competition twice, once away from home and once at home. But a tournament like the World Cup or the Champions League, it's knockout football. Do you know what that means? Um, you have to knock out the other team yeah. within so, your group, right? And you, Well, usually the group, the top two go through. So not everyone needs to be knocked out on the group stage. Mm-hmm. But once you hit the knockout stage, round of 16, quarter, semis, whatever, then it's do or die. Uh, you'll be knocked out or you do the knocking out. So there's mm-hmm. an element of luck involved. Decisions go your way. Where is in the Premier League if one match doesn't go your way it's okay because there's 37 other matches to try and make up lost ground you get what I mean whereas in tournament football knockout stage it's that or nothing mm-hmm. speaking of the Premier League right like this is nothing to do with the World Cup obviously but I've always like been curious you know some teams they just never win but they've also got a really strong fan base that is like loyal till they die. Why yeah. do you think people do that though? You don't switch football teams. You can't switch football teams. It's sacrilege to switch football teams. Mm-hmm. But in terms of you have your big six who will generally always just be present around there or thereabouts. Your Manchester United's, City's, Chelsea's, Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal. And then you have all the other teams. So there's a couple knocking on the door to get in like Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So Newcastle's in a very isolated part of the UK. But they are now officially the richest club in the world because they were taken over slightly over a year ago. So they are starting to spend the cash and they're looking very, very good, very promising for the future. But in terms of the passionate fans will always be passionate about their team, but they can't sometimes understand that it takes time to build a team. Mm -hmm. 
Sometimes there's no money with the side to buy players. Sometimes you buy too many players. But it's it's what makes football so special. People are just so passionate about their clubs. I think that's why. Smaller clubs, when I say smaller clubs, I mean from smaller cities, more like Leeds. They're very passionate about their club. It's great to see. There's so many clubs in Birmingham, for example, but Leeds is pretty much just Leeds. Yeah, I know my family are like Aston Villa, like but full on. But there's also Birmingham City, for example, yeah. and there's lots of clubs in the Midlands itself, let alone in Birmingham. Mm. So it's interesting to see there. So then there's like, the football rivalry is like always in full swing. I feel like there's never a lull in the football rivalry. No. But then when they all have to get together to, like for the World Cup, for instance, like they're all on the same team suddenly, like, do you think it's probably sometimes difficult for them to... It's interesting Play you bring together. that up. Yeah, it's it's good. It's interesting you bring that up because you know who Steven Gerrard is. Yes. Rio Ferdinand. You heard of him? Heard the name. Yeah. Okay. Manchester United player Frank Lampard. Heard the name. Okay. Chelsea legend, all-time top scorer, okay. and now Everton manager. Rio has said on TV that when they got to the training camp before tournament, before match, before friendly, whatever, they would be kind of distant to the other players mm-hmm. unless they play for the same club so there are quite a few Manchester United players like Beckham you know Beckham mm, right? obviously <laughs> um, Gary Neville Rio and others mm-hmm. they would just kind of keep to themselves and the Chelsea players like Lampard and Terry would be there and then the Liverpool players whatever whoever the clubs were uh, the major clubs who were always competing for titles and they didn't want to give anything away about their club stuff mm-hmm. so it kind of affected the chemistry yeah that's what I was going to say because like Obviously, England is one of those countries where all the players are playing for different teams, whereas maybe different countries, they don't really have as big of an issue with that. Do you think that's Uh, what's been... I think it was a big push because from 2008 to 2012, Spain were the kings of the the footballing Mm -hmm. world because they won the Euro in 08 and in 2012. So they did it back to back. And in between, they won the World Cup as well. Mm. But they would... Technically speaking, I have a very fractured dressing room because a lot are from Real Madrid and a lot are from Barcelona. And you talk football rivalries, that's one of the biggest in the entire world. Yeah, even I know that. Yeah, there you go. And there's a few other players um, who play for other clubs as well. But when you look at that, I'm no expert on Spanish football, but I think the captains of Barca and Real Madrid, uh, Puyol at Barca, for example, and Casillas at Real Madrid, they made a concentrated effort to try and unite everybody together. Mm. So... Two fierce rivals on the pitch, Sergio Ramos and Gerard Piquet, for example, will have to play together for the national team. And I think that that's credit to team spirit. And I don't yeah. think that's an easy thing to do at all. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like even like in everyday life, right? Yeah. Let alone having to play for your country where the pressure's already well, on. <laughs> don't forget in Spain, it's even more difficult because they're very regional. They really care mm. about where they're from. So Barcelona is in uh, Catalonia and uh-huh. they've always wanted independence. They want to break away from Spanish football and join, say, the French League. Oh. They want to be their own nation. So they're very patriotic. They're from Catalonia. And then you have the Basque region and different parts of Spain. So in that sense, it's even harder because of territorial allegiances, mm-hmm. uh, let alone clubs. You being on TV and having to talk about all these things like every single day. Like, okay, what do you call yourself? Is it a pundit? No, 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 no. A oh. pundit is usually the person that has played the game professionally oh. and will give the analysis and a professional opinion. I don't really give too many opinions. My oh. opinions are all rooted in stats. So if you, let's say you played a game, I'll say, oh, Callista completed 95% of her passes and she covered more ground than anybody else on the pitch. That's me indirectly saying you've had a very, very good game. Okay. 
So I'm kind of throwing more opinions here and there just to mm-hmm. try to spice things up for television's sake. Yeah, I mean, like full disclosure. Obviously, I don't know anything about football. I never really, you know, I never really watch any of the football matches. I see you on the screen sometimes, but like I know Adam personally from when he was on hits. Yeah. So that's why we talk. We've definitely got nothing to do with football. He tried. He did try. Attempted on many, <laughs> many an occasion. Yeah, never, never actually succeeded, but. How do you think it's different being on radio and on TV? Talking about football? Yeah. Uh, TV, you have the visual aid of looking at the game. So when it comes to the TV stuff, obviously when we're previewing a match, I can get all the footage from previous games, key moments, key incidents, players, and you can really get technical the analysis. You can't do that on radio. I listen to a lot of podcasts and Mm -hmm. I, I glean a lot of information from that as well. But it always helps to visually see it um and that's halving the need for explanation really but is it more stressful because like on radio usually when you're on on air the match has already happened so you have all the information already but when you're doing on tv sometimes it's like a live match and you have to like get all the information on yeah in that sense in the uk they do live matches on radio oh okay. so they do like live commentary um during the matches Mm -hmm. on top of that they will have a pre-show build-up. They'll have conversation in studio and post-show. So when I attend the games, the Premier League matches, there's usually like you'll see the radio people there. You'll see the commentators and they've got like the professional mics and all mm-hmm. of that. And when I listen back to it and they release it as podcasts, usually after the show, you can hear they're still in the stadium. So they will be talking to the people in the studio. For example, with the BBC, they'll be mm-hmm. in their studio or talk sport conversing with those at the stadium. It works the same way. And there, I guess you just have to be far more descriptive with your words because there's no visual aid to, to help yeah. you out. I mean, you've been on all sides, right? I mean, you've done like talking about it on radio on hits, which is obviously not live game. And then you've done the TV part and then you've also been on the pitch. Yeah. So which one do you prefer? Being pitch-sided, nothing, nothing beats it, to be honest. Mm. Nothing beats being able to see the game for yourself. And before I forget, TV is a relatively new thing compared to radio. Mm-hmm. So before this, people used to listen to radio to get their football information. Mm-hmm. So it's really famous. You would listen at a certain time because back then all the matches kicked off at 3 p.m. on Saturday. <laughs> and then at 5, you'll have someone reading out the results from the top flight. This is before the Premier League existed all the way to like um, the semi-professional leagues. Mm. But in terms of what I prefer, uh, definitely being there, being able to have the player or manager sent to us at the side of the pitch after a game to speak to them directly, nothing can beat that. Mm. But now that our borders have opened up, I really missed having guests here in Malaysia as well. So we're able to do more games because I don't have to to travel from one stadium to another. Mm -hmm. You can do three games in a night. It's okay. It's fine because we're just based in one location. And also being able to get fans to meet the players. It's been a long time. Since mm-hmm. we've had that. Yeah. And you've also been um, pitch side for World Cups as well, right? Uh, the World Cup is pretty much the only tournament I haven't been to. Because since I joined Supersport, I've always been needed in the studio. Mm. So my colleagues, I think Reem went to Brazil. Yeah, she told me that, yeah. yeah. And Russia, I think. And she went to Russia, yeah. yeah. So they... She, but she wasn't on in the studio like I was on TV for like the semi-final and the final. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm a bit tied down. Unless we were to do pitch side for the World Cup. So for Qatar? No, we. No. Um, it's difficult because for the first time, you're probably aware that the World Cup isn't happening in the summer. I mean, usually <laughs> yeah, I know, wouldn't know the difference. So usually, club football uh, across the continent will happen from August mm-hmm. till May. 
So the August is when your Premier League will start, and then in May, traditionally, or the final game of the season will be the Champions League final mm. in May, and then there'll be a break of three-ish weeks, four weeks sometimes. So if the season breaks in the middle of May, if it ends there, then uh, there'll be about a month till the tournament starts. Mm-hmm. So if you get an injury at the start of May and it's not too severe, you can still come back. Players are able to meet up with the national team. They'll have maybe a week off, then they meet up and they'll start training. Maybe have a friendly or two. Mm-hmm. But this World Cup is different. There's literally like slightly over a week from the final Premier League game on the weekend of the 13th and 14th or 13th and 12th until the World Cup starts. It's a very short window, and usually after a tournament, it the World Cup final is usually in mid July. The Premier League season won't start till mid August ish, uh-huh. and those players that aren't in a World Cup will come back earlier for pre-season. Those that have made the later stages of the tournament will come back later as well. But there's no time. So it's one week between the Premier League finishing and then the Premier League resuming a week after the World Cup. That's it. Okay. So if you're not playing the World Cup, technically you'll have six weeks off. One week before the World Cup, one week after the World Cup and a four-week tournament. That's it. Will that be like kind of, I don't want to say unfair, but like, do you think it will hinder the... English players because Premier League is obviously English it, teams, right? It is English teams, but they have a lot of foreign players. Don't forget, oh, okay. a lot of foreign players. But I mean, pretty much all the leagues will be stopping at the same time, so they'll all stop around the same mm. time. So in that sense, it won't make a difference. In the long run, though, for example, in Germany, if I remember correctly, they're not going to resume their local leagues until deep into January. Mm-hmm. So they traditionally have a winter break. And one accusation is that England. Have never really had a winter break. They play on Boxing Day, then they'll play oh, again on the twenty eighth, then they'll play again on say the first of January. That's known as the busiest period of the season because teams are given forty eight hours, fifty hours to rest, and the games come thick and fast. And it's intense. Yeah, they say that's why the national team suffers mm, because yeah. come a tournament traditionally in June, July, the players are tired. Whereas the German players and the Spanish players and the Italian players have all had a winter break. So they've had those couple of weeks off and they would be in a better physical condition. And this mental, year I suppose. It is mental. Yeah. There's a lot of complaints from the players and managers at club level that there's too much football, that they're being thrown football matches. Now they've introduced like this semi-competitive, semi-friendly aspect in the summer called the Nations League, which happened. And they're... One of the players said that they don't care about this tournament, but it's still a tournament. So yeah, there's just too too much football going on like, for the players. I agree though. Like even though I don't watch football, this I feel like it's just nonstop. Like it's relentless. Yes, once the Champions League is is done, you go the, with the Premier League, and then the Premier League. Then there's like every two years it's Euro, and then because of COVID, everything the timing yeah. got messed up. So there's a lot of foreign players in the Premier League from Spain and all of that and Italy and all around the world and most of the English players play in England Mm. so it affects the national team whereas Spanish players who play in the Premier League yeah they'll be tired when a tournament comes around but a lot of the players are still from Barcelona and Spain Mm. same with Germany and Bayern Munich so they they are getting proper rest periods during the winter break Mm -hmm. England tried to sort of introduce a winter break but it's not a proper one like it is in the other countries but that means it's busy for you as well right like oh the Busiest period is, I haven't celebrated like, you know, New Year and Christmas period in a long time because wow. that's the busiest period. It's really, really, really busy. Back in the day, they used to even play in Christmas Day, like in the. Which is kind of crazy because, like, Christmas is kind of a big deal in the UK as well, right? So. But it's also like part of the tradition that you watch the matches on Boxing Day. 
I mean, good for the people who are watching. Yeah. Kind of sucky for the people who have to play. <laughs> I guess the compensation is you get paid, say, £50,000 a week. I guess. Uh, or in some cases, £500,000 a week. So, mm-hmm. And like, I, I guess like your career in like tournament football isn't not just technically tournament. that that long, right? Yeah, no, well, as a footballer, I mean, you're talking what, if you're lucky, 20 years. So, so you, you might... sacrifice 20 years of Christmas to live the yeah. rest of your life <laughs> happily, basically. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but they, I, I, I should do some digging into it, but I think some players have said in the past they purposely picked up a booking. If you pick up, say, five yellows, that means you're suspended for the next game. You know what? That sounds like something I would do. Yeah, or... <laughs> You're conveniently injured. Yeah, that I would totally do that to celebrate Christmas. <laughs> yes, I know the feeling. <laughs> so, but what about you though? Because you can't say you're injured. You can't. Well, I mean, I'm not training. The thing is, mm-hmm. when it comes to Christmas Day itself, for example, some managers, it really depends on the manager. It really depends on the club. So I think some clubs might give players off mm. on Christmas. But I've heard some stories of some managers asking the players, OK, you can celebrate with your family in the morning or lunch, but you've got to come in for training after that because you have a match the next day. So you need to do the technical work or the formation work. It'll be light work. It won't be heavy, mm-hmm. but still it requires you to go to the training ground. Mm-hmm. But like for you personally, because obviously you will have to cover it, right? Christmas Day, I'll be off because there's no matches on that day. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Boxing Day, you just get used to it. Mm. It's it's just part of the tradition. It's part of the Premier League. That's what it is. And we, we kind of got distracted. So I was asking you, like, you don't call yourself a pundit. So what do you... Is, is it just uh, like commentator? I'm just a journalist, a host, okay. the guy that asks questions. Okay. Whatever they want to call me, really. Okay. And like, was that what you wanted to do? Or did you just kind of fall into it? Uh, I fell into it. Okay. I mean, I always loved football. You've been to Shalam before? Uh, Shalam in general, yes. Yeah, so there's a nice stadium. Well, it needs to be refurbished. But I was there at the opening of the stadium way back in the early 90s. Don't make yourself sound that old. <laughs> well, my hairline would disagree with that. But anyway, yeah, so I can... Those are like some of my earliest football memories of going there and, and seeing some of the teams that came in. And I've, I got sent to boarding school when I was eight and that was in England and I got more into football and mm. it's, football's always been part of my life. It just so happens, I'm fortunate enough that I'm actually working in it now. Yeah, because every time like if like I post something with you on Instagram, I always get to say, oh, he's got my dream job. He's got my yeah, dream job. Yeah, it is. It's my dream job as well. So I'm very fortunate to do what I do, extremely. So what would you say is the best part of doing this job and the worst part? Because there's always a worst part. The worst part would be the hours because we mm. are at time of recording. It's still October, so we're seven hours ahead. But when the clocks change in the UK, daylight savings, we turn turn it backwards as well, so it becomes eight hours. Mm-hmm. So if you have a game, sometimes before the clocks change, it's at twelve thirty at night on a Saturday, and then it becomes one thirty, which means you're not getting home till five or six in the morning. So that's tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you have to do the weekday matches as well. Those games kick off at three or four in the morning. So it's, your clock gets flipped upside down. It's really late. Mm-hmm. But hey, if I wasn't working it, I'd probably be watching it. So True. But how do you manage like your time then with all the different time zones and stuff? Wake up late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've always been a night owl. Thankfully, I've never really been a morning person. So it works in my favor. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's just I've been doing it for so long now. Like I've been with Supersport for about 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. your body just kind of gets used to it and you learn not to schedule stuff in the morning, for example. That's it. Yeah, I feel like 
we're similar in that sense, like the timing. We have the wise. same birthday. Yeah, we have the same birthday, and I think like that definitely affects it. But we're both night owls. We're both up till who knows what time. Yes. And like, how many hours a day do you sleep? Not enough. Like, I get this question all the time as well because like I'm similar. How do you deal with that? Like, how do you deal with like constant sleep deprivation? Naps. Mm. So I'm quite good at having naps now. Uh, say an hour I find it just revitalizes me mm-hmm. I try not to drink more than two cups of coffee a day okay. if it's a really long day I'll go for three cups wow okay yeah. but there are people who drink a lot more mm, I don't drink any I you know, know yeah. yeah but there's people I know who drink way more than I do and I think three cups is quite a lot but best investment I made when I moved into my house was a coffee machine so mm-hmm. before that I used to buy those tin cold ones but mm-hmm. now I look forward to having the hot coffee in the morning and then during the day I'll probably have a cold one uh, but yeah, coffee and naps, really. But I'm always, I've always had quite a lot of energy anyway. Yeah. Oh, pff, so, understatement. Yeah. <laughs> so it works out for me in that way. Mm-hmm. And like for someone who doesn't know what you technically you do, like what does like a normal day look like? When there's football? When when there isn't, when there isn't. Uh, when there is football, I try not to go out. I try to stay home. Mm-hmm. And not do anything, not tire myself out because quite often I'll be working till late. So I try to make sure I wake up late in the day for one. Mm-hmm. Um, then I I have this thing where I hate coming back home and having to do stuff. Okay. So like I play futsal a few times a week, and I try to make sure that all the chores, all the cleaning up, is done before I leave the house. Because okay. I found that before I did this, when I come back, I would just procrastinate, procrastinate, <laughs> procrastinate to do it, and then sometimes I don't even do it. So I've got some cats, got to clean that up, the dishes, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So when I wake up, I will usually prepare for the match at night. Mm-hmm. But since we started having guests down, my schedule has changed somewhat. So usually we'll meet the guests the night before, the day they arrive. So usually they'll arrive on a Friday ahead of a Saturday game. And we'll meet up. Like tomorrow, I'm meeting up with our guests at 9 p.m., mm-hmm. which means I'm probably only going to get home at 11.30, 12 at night. So that helps in terms of waking up later. Mm-hmm. And I'm just preparing for the games at night. And then I will go to work and I'll arrive two hours before our show. I'll have spoken to the producers beforehand, but usually the clips, the visual clips aren't ready. So when we meet our guests the night before, they will tell us what they want to see. And then we will have to edit and use all, you know, the circles you see and you can draw lines and stuff. No. So when you're analyzing like uh-huh. uh, a goal, you can circle a player. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move then left, right, whatever. We got all the equipment downstairs, all the technology. So I'll do that mainly mm-hmm. with the guys. So, yeah, I'll arrive and then I, I'll just chat to the guys and then we'll do all the football chat and then we'll do the show and then I'll go home after that. That's mm. it. So I'm in, in the office. Sometimes I do one game, sometimes I do two games. Back when I first started, sometimes three games in a row, which was really tiring. That's yeah. tiring. That's mentally tiring. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's always these things like, oh, dream job, g- dream job. Everyone sees the, the end product. Oh, there's always all work. the things like, at the back. Now that we started having guests, my... Usually they'll stay for a few days after, so I'll have to interview them for a show about them, or I'll have a podcast to record of them, or just hang out with them and make sure they don't get bored. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm, I even arrange golf for a few of the guys to oh. go and play with some other people I know who play you golf. You do that? I don't, I don't play at that level. Oh. So. But you do the arranging and stuff? Sometimes. Oh. Sometimes. We all kind of like try to chip in where we can, like someone knows some somebody who does this or I know somebody who does that mm-hmm. so we try to help arrange that sort of thing sometimes I have to go and host a meet and greet with the player um, at a location for Astro subscribers mm-hmm. it really varies I don't really have a set routine when I'm not working matches at night mm-hmm. if I'm working a match at night I'll be home and I won't want to go out 
unless it's essential like groceries or something. Uh, even I like sparkling water. I will go on a Friday before the weekend comes and do my grocery shopping then. Mm. I try to anyway, or cut my hair. Nothing on the day of the match. I mean, uh, it makes sense. Yeah, I just want to focus <laughs> on that. And the days when I'm not covering a game, it's very ad hoc. Sometimes I've got events to do. Sometimes I've got voiceovers to do. Sometimes I have to meet people for meetings. Sometimes I don't even need to leave the house. I can do it on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Now, the way it works is for interviews... As a rights holder for the Premier League, clubs have to nominate a player or manager every match day. So there's 38 match days, right? Mm-hmm. And they have to nominate a player or manager to be interviewed. Then you can apply for it. Obviously, if it's a big player, everyone's going to apply and they can't approve everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, again, very ad hoc. So as long as you get approved, then I'll have to do the interviews via Zoom. But when I'm in the UK, we'll actually do it in person. Who is the who is your favourite person that you've interviewed so far? There's too many. There's too many. Choose one. There's honestly like, too many. On like, the top of your head. I remember 2005 was the first big interview I ever remember doing. So that will also be special, but it's not football related. Keanu Reeves. So they, I didn't know you interviewed Keanu Reeves. Yeah, way back in the wow. day in Hong Kong. They flew me over to Hong Kong to interview him in conjunction with Constantine. Was this for Hits? No. Oh. No, I just joined Hits, but this was for the TV channel I worked for. Okay. So, yeah, that was really big. That's the first big interview I can really remember doing in person. So that That's will always be cool, one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. Keanu Reeves, man. And now they've announced a sequel is coming out yeah. many, many years later. <laughs> and he's returning to the role. He's like uh, Matrix, right? <laughs> yeah. Like the Matrix. I hope it's better than the Matrix, the last yeah. Matrix was, because that was terrible. <laughs> You've also got a podcast that talks about movies and... What's it called? Geektopia. Geektopia, and you can find it on YouTube, It's YouTube right? and all of that, yeah. In terms of football, favourite interview? Do you know who Son Heung-min is? He's big. For some people, he's considered the greatest Asian player to have ever played in the Premier League. Wow. And that would make him arguably one of the greatest Asian players ever. He is a big deal. And he plays for the club I support called Tottenham. So with Son Heung-min, Sonny, <laughs> and when I go to the training ground for Spurs... Is in an area called Enfield. In the middle of nowhere, there are always Korean fans outside mm. waiting for him. This is the training ground. It's not Wait, that so easy to get playing. there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. He's like 29, 30 years old. He's 30 now, sorry. Oh. He's 30 now. Okay. And every time I do a match, particularly at their stadium, there's a lot of Korean fans. And they all go just to watch him play. And I remember once, this is me giving an answer for my favorite interview just because I can't think of anything else. But I found <laughs> the story amusing. The stadium is really nice. But like how clubs have to nominate a player to be interviewed before match mm-hmm. via Zoom or in person at the training ground, they also have to provide players to be interviewed after match. Mm-hmm. That's an obligation the club has to the broadcasters because we're paying a lot of money, right? But it's not the same players every time. Well, kind of is sometimes, but they sent Son out. Mm-hmm. So you can see in the stadium, like he'll go from one broadcast at the side of the pitch to another and the, and the fans will literally go around the stadium. They're the only ones left because everyone else has left. The match is done. But the Korean fans love him so much they go from one end to another. And I had this two players, both in their 40s. Son got sent to us. So at the end of the interview, I said to the guys, I said, can you do this? <laughs> Doing the, this is a heart, the, right? The mini heart, yeah. The mini heart. They're like, what? They had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but Son knew. So the moment we all did it, the crowd behind the camera, you can hear it, but you can't see it, just went crazy because it's obviously very Korean, right? Uh-huh. So the Korean fans are watching Son do this at the side of the pitch and had two older guys who had no idea what this is, but they could see it meant a lot. Yeah, I thought that spoke volumes. And um, I think dynamically on TV, it looked really good, mm-hmm. personally. I think it looked amazing. Other career highlights? 
I remember once I I picked up on something when I was again at the side、mm. of the pitch, and this is why I love being pitch side because you can see things you can't see elsewhere. You can't see on TV. Well, you can, but it's different. It's different.、Mm. I was doing an interview, and let's just say I'm facing the guest this way, and I looked out the corner of my eye, and I could see a Manchester United player out the corner of my eye, sitting in the. Dugout、mm-hmm. where the players sit. This is after match. He's got his club suit on, and I got the camera to turn. This is all spontaneous, yeah. And the only reason we did it was because I saw him from the corner of my eye, and he looked crestfallen because his team had、oh. drawn a loss. I can't remember.、Uh-huh. And they panned to him, and just as they panned to him, and one of those perfect football scenes that you see on yeah, TV, <laughs> and that got picked up like globally. Wow, like, we've had quite a few things. Usually, because our pundits will say something and it gets picked up. Daily Mail, Sun, Joe.co.uk, Sports Bible have picked up our stuff a lot. But this was the first time something was picked up just because I noticed it from the corner、mm-hmm. of my eye. So that's another highlight. And because it's a Manchester United player, obviously it goes up a level.、Mm-hmm. That was fun. Well, you've been doing this for so many years. Is there something that you want to do that hasn't happened yet, or somebody you want to speak to that you haven't spoken to yet?、Uh, Messi. I've seen Messi up close. Like、mm-hmm. I've been this close to him.、Oh. Ronaldo, I've never spoken to him, but again, I've been very close to him. Uh, Messi, Messi for me is the best player in history, so I would say him. I would. Ooh, can get the debates going on that one? Okay. Yeah, for me, for me, <laughs> it's very subjective. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo is one of the all-time greats as well, but for、mm-hmm. me, everything that Messi does in terms of assists, his creativity, his passing—I mean, he's having an amazing season now. But Cristiano is the greatest goal scorer, but for me, technically speaking,、mm. Messi is the greatest player.、Mm-hmm. He's out of his world, really is. Those two, I guess. Okay. Would be the ones I would love to sit down with together. Okay. And have a conversation with the three of us. That would be box office. So that one, do you think it has a chance of happening? Nope. Why? <laughs> It'd be look. There's been only one interview I've seen, and that was because they were at the same ceremony, the Ballon d'Or, like the big footballing、uh-huh. ceremony. They were sat next to each other, and so the host would usually go out and ask. Few questions, and they sat next to each other and they talked about each other. But that's the only time. For、mm-hmm. one, if a league wanted to arrange it, it's very difficult because they play in different countries. Yeah. So they are both at the World Cup, but they're playing for different teams.、Mm-hmm. So it'll be logistically, at least now, very hard to pull off. Maybe once they're both retired, you could get them in a room together. But even that, I can imagine being a very expensive and、mm-hmm. be extremely hard to pull off. I mean, nothing is impossible. I guess nothing is impossible. We'll see.、Nothing. But before this becomes like a, a classroom for me on football, last question. Yes. So, for anyone who wants to do your job, the dream job, where should they start? What's the advice? Ah,、uh, people ask me, "What did I study?" I said, "I didn't." No, I was supposed to be to be a lawyer. So it's nothing. What? To, yeah, it's nothing to do with what I'm doing now. <laughs> Literally nothing. I can't imagine you being so serious. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I wouldn't have gone into. Maybe I would have just been like an in-house. But anyway, <laughs>、um, just be passionate about it. Be clear and concise. Practice talking. Practice questions. Understand that you are not the star. The guests usually are the stars. The guys that you're able to speak to, and be knowledgeable.、Mm-hmm. Understand. Da- I think the biggest thing now in football is data. Everything is data-driven.、Mm-hmm. Who are Team science now is usually driven more by data than anything else. So try getting a full grasp and understanding of that. I think it's a, a key asset. And just communication skills、mm-hmm. and the ability to interview is crucial. Yeah, I、mm-hmm. would say. And if they wanted to like get a start somewhere, message me on Instagram or something. Wow. Okay,、yeah. Adam C What, is your Adam C is your gateway. So 
So that was the advice. Message Adam on Instagram. Um, Who do you think is going to win the World Cup? England. Why? Because that's the only team I know. <laughs> It's all about knowing teams. It's countries. I don't know who's good or not. All I know is I'm from England um, and support England. That's it. Argentina are doing very well. They're in very good form heading into this. Exactly how Italy were heading into the Euros and Italy won the Euros. A lot of teams will start very slow in a tournament, like Italy. I know a lot of time it. when you've won the World Cup, the next one you usually don't do very well. Yeah, yeah. actually, <laughs> the champions in the last couple of World Cups have done extremely bad. And right now, do you know what's happening with the French team? No, of course not, Adam. No, but this is sort of like up your alley. It's more gossip than anything else. What? Do you have time? I'll explain in two minutes. Yeah. So, France, <laughs> uh, traditionally in the past, have done... They're either heading into the tournament confident and in a good mood and united, like in 2018 or 98, where they hosted it as well, by mm-hmm. the way. When they go into the tournament happy, they tend to do very well. When they go into the tournament, when they're beset by problems, for example, in one World Cup, the players refused to get off the bus because they didn't get on with the manager. Oh, wow. Okay. For example, and heading into this World Cup, they are the reigning world champions, let's not forget. Uh-huh. Paul Pogba, have you heard of him? Again, name, yeah. Huge player, massive. He's a really high profile player. Got like his own emojis. and Okay. <laughs> he's very high profile, formerly of Manchester United, twice, and now he's with Juventus. Anyway, it turns out about two months ago, his brother came out on Instagram. So he's got two older brothers, they're twins. Mm-hmm. They both tried to be players, but one of them came out and said, I'm going to reveal the truth about Paul. People need to know this, his sponsors and the fans. It's like, what? And they were all very close. Like, they were celebrating the World Cup together in 2018. They followed Paul. They've, they're known as like a tight family. They look very similar as well that you can tell they're siblings. And then Paul came out and it turns out that when he went to train for France in March, I think, they were trying to extort like 10 million from him <gasps> or something. And then... Um, Sometimes at the training ground, the guys would come there as well to try and harass him and he recognized him as his own brother, one of them. Then it turns out these people were his childhood friends who had been protecting him discreetly in the background in France for years and they demanded uh, to be paid for that. That is insane. Yeah, yeah. So he's had to come out and say all this and the police are now investigating it and they've arrested his brother for extortion. Then it turns out that Paul had hired a witch doctor. The brother said that Paul hired a witch doctor to put a curse on the other star player called Kylian Mbappe okay. for France so that he wouldn't do well and then maybe Paul could be the star. But Paul came out and said, no, the witch doctor was only to stop me from getting injuries or to help heal me from my injuries. So that's uh, that's what we're talking about. That is, yeah. that is Among, intense. Amongst other issues within the French team as well. Okay, so yeah. they're not going into this one in very, a happy mood yeah so it's very fractured plus the strange thing about this World Cup is injuries usually like I said earlier on you'll have a month mm. before the end of a, before the end of um, before the start of the World Cup to help you try like Beckham there was this huge thing where every day Beckham broke his metatarsal and he was the captain and will he make it back for the World Cup in time and it was a huge deal but this mm-hmm. time there's only a week yeah so if you get injured you won't make it back yeah and yeah. to be honest sometimes in a, in a, in league football if your team is not in the Champions League final you know your season's going to end when the league season finishes you're not going to be finishing a week after sometimes a league title is done like three weeks before the end of a season and players kind of just take it easy mm-hmm. but because the World Cup is happening halfway through the season there's still everything to play for at club level so the intensity is still there and we're seeing a lot of injuries right now mm-hmm. so a lot of key players could be missing for the World Cup but anyway so okay we started this with me asking who do you think is going to win so let's not say who do you think is going to win um, who do you think I is going to go to the final I, I have a feeling it'll be a South American team in the final because okay. 
The last time a South American team won was Brazil in 2002 with the original Ronaldo mm -hmm. redeeming himself after they lost the final in 98. Um, and he had a seizure before the final. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a big deal. And uh, ever since, there have always been these conspiracy theories about what actually happened, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Do you know who Ronaldo is? Not Cristiano, yeah, yeah, yeah. the original the... one. No, that's Ronaldinho. Uh... Ronaldinho, yeah, he played Ronaldinho. So they played okay. together in 2002 and they won the World Cup together. Ronaldo, is for me, is the greatest striker mm -hmm. the world has ever seen. Amazing player. Injury problems like crazy, though. He's just released a documentary, about to release a documentary about himself and what happened in 98. So that'll But, be interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching that. Um, so you yeah. think a South American team will take I think Italy or Brazil. Oh. I would like to see Argentina. Sorry, what did I say Italy or Brazil? I mean Argentina or Brazil. Okay. Um, I would love to see Argentina do well because for Messi, he's reached the World Cup final once and lost. Because, uh, I mean, it's not about one player, right? It's a team it's a team. sport. So. It's a team. But I would just love to see Messi win a World Cup because I'm a huge fan of Messi. Mm -hmm. uh, but Brazil, like their the squad depth they have is amazing. And they're in very good form, as are Argentina, heading into this. Do you think it, they'll have like slight advantage because it is in Qatar because of the weather and everything? Yeah, that's, an, that's another thing which I think could make a huge difference. I just don't see the... European teams, like the European champions, Italy aren't even in the World Cup. A lot of the European teams are not heading into this in good form, like England, for mm -hmm. example. Saying that, Euro 96, England hosted it. They were in terrible form. The press were all over them. They were partying in Hong Kong and everyone had written off their chances and they reached the semifinals there. Oh, wow. So don't read too much into form heading into a tournament. Italy, whenever they've won it, tend to start the tournament really slowly, like mm -hmm. with a draw or bad result. Spain started off, won a, I think, their World Cup with a loss, but they went on to win it. So... Don't judge it by that. It's who adapts to tournament football better, who mm -hmm. grows into the tournament. And it's not entirely about form heading into a tournament. But again, Italy heading into the Euros mm -hmm. were unbeaten for a record time. They set it a new record during the tournament itself. So I just want Argentina to do well. Okay. Or England. Okay. So Argentina or England for you for the Qatar World Cup? I would like that, but I okay. think Brazil's name has to be put into the mix as well. Really good form, Brazil. Okay, well, yeah. we've only got, uh, what, a couple more weeks till it starts. Yeah. So we'll see. And then if you get it wrong, I'm sure everyone's going to go to your Instagram. <laughs> Football is that kind yeah. of sport. <laughs> Football, one of the teams that qualified will win the tournament. There you go. <laughs> Playing it safe. Playing it safe. Okay, and if they want to get all the updates for the World Cup, where do they go? Uh, well, Sadie Mastro on our Instagram, our Facebook. Um, Astro have got uh, the, the package as well, the sports pack for mm -hmm. the World Cup and other things as well. If you go to Astro's website, I think all the details will be there or Sadie Mastro. But if they want to see you in particular? Uh, I'll be on TV during the course of the World Cup uh, mm -hmm. a lot. Michelle Lee and myself will be doing most of the games. We've got a lot of guests coming in as well, so a lot to look forward to. Okay, and they should follow you on Instagram? Oh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, Adam Carruthers. Okay. I'm on TikTok, but I never post anything. You're on TikTok? I just like to watch people on TikTok like Arnold. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna film a TikTok after this. Oh God. <laughs> no! <laughs> well, thank you for joining me on the Seaword, Adam. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. The Adam Seaword. Hey! Uh-oh. -uh, always wants to take over things. It's true. The Seaword with Callista.